Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. Thank you, Megan. Appreciate that. Are we living by the promise? One day He's coming. Oh, glorious day. I trust in your family, and really that's the theme tonight as you're turning to Genesis chapter 26, is living by the promise. I've entitled this message, Echoes. Genesis chapter 26, if you'll go there for our Bible study tonight, Genesis chapter 26. We could entitle this message, Like Father, Like Son, as well. Uh, there's an interesting correlation between the life of Abraham and his son, Isaac. We're going to look at some of these echoes uh, in the lives of these two men, father, son. Parents, have you ever had a child that looked a lot like you do, acted a lot like you do, uh, perhaps walked like you walk, talked like you talk? You know what we call kids like that? We call them little echoes. <laughs> I noticed that uh, in our own school and church, when uh, Connor a star pops out of the van in the morning. He looks a lot like his daddy, I just got to tell you. And there are others in our church, Nathan Flurry. I could go down the list, <laughs> especially the cowboy hat and the cowboy boots and all that. Kids tend to reflect their parents, and that's okay. They are generational echoes. And I want to tell you something. I hope you as parents tonight, grandparents, understand the value of your investments because your investments in time will pay great dividends. In fact, you can't help it. Whatever you invest uh, now will come back later. I'm sure it will. I uh, think scientifically sometimes, not very often, but scientifically speaking, an echo is simply a sound wave or a sound vibration that bounces or reflects off a, uh, a hard surface. could be a canyon wall. Maybe you've been out uh, to a canyon somewhere and tried to hollering out there in the distance and the vast divide and heard your voice return. It's a, really, it's a sound wave that hits a, a hard surface and reflects or bounces back echoes like a tiled wall in a bathroom. That's why people enjoy singing in the shower. Just sounds, the sound is more lively. In fact, if we were to tile this whole room instead of drywall, tile it, this would be an echo chamber. It's not that lively in here, although it is, more than some auditoriums. You hear that a little bit, and there are some churches where they'll put up the baffles in the back so it'll catch the sound waves. Some of you woke up there, appreciate that. Uh, you're back with us. Well, we'll hear the echo of our parenting and our kids, and uh, it happens to all of us. They are generational echoes, and we see that in the life of Abraham and Isaac. We're in Genesis chapter 26. This is really the narrative of Isaac at Gerar. Isaac is the son, of course, of Abraham. He is an Abrahamic echo. We see them mentioned. There's four or five, maybe even six that we'll look at, not all tonight, but the echoes that we see repeated. What is the statement that we often talk about? If you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat it. And so we see the good and the bad in the reflections of the life of Isaac from his own father. Well, Genesis 26, we see the, the narrative begins like this, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. 
And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, I will bless thee. Uh, for unto thee and to thy seed will I give these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Of course, that uh, wonderful echo of blessing, I call that the first echo, the echo of mercy or blessing. We see it reflected from Abraham in the life of his son. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, verse 5, kept my charge and my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. We'll stop there for now. Uh, by now, in the context, or at least in the, in the narrative, Abraham is passed off the scene. Anybody know how old Abraham was when he died? Over 100. It was 175 years. Chapter 25 and verse 10 reminds us that he has passed on. And he was buried by his dear wife, Sarah in the cave of Machpelah, or Machpelah. Isaac, of course, married Rebekah, had two boys. Remember the two boys that Isaac and Rebekah had? Twins. Jacob and Esau fighting even in the womb. First thing, of course, I want you to see is that there is this echo of mercy. came to pass, verse 11 of chapter 25, after the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son. God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt by the well Lahiroi. Now we see this blessing conferred, and I understand in a, in a real a biblical sense here that, that uh, Isaac is really stepping into a conferred blessing that God conferred upon Abraham. First of all, in the land of Ur of the Chaldees, God called Abraham to be the father of the Hebrew nation and said in thee, of course, and, and in fact, all you have to do is back up your place here, but back up to Genesis chapter 12, and you see this first occurrence of this blessing by God. And I could ask you tonight, why in the world was it? How's come it was that God chose Abraham? We, we don't have the answer to that. He didn't win a divine heavenly raffle, that's for sure. God makes no mistake, we know that. But look at chapter 12 of Genesis, a little earlier. In the biblical narrative, Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country. You'll hear familiar phrases from my kindred, from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. Make thy name great, and thou shalt be here. It is again. There's a lot of blessings in here. Uh, a, you'll be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He is foreshadowing here, of course, the coming of the Messiah through the nation of Israel. After these wonderful verses that we call the Abrahamic covenant, we know that God continued, at least repeated that three times. He repeated it to Isaac here in Gerar and then later to his grandson Jacob. Anybody remember where that happened? This same blessing uh, traveled down the family line at Bethel, as Jacob was on a wife-finding mission, and there God stopped him at Bethel, or Luz, and uh, again repeated the same, uh, the same words of blessing. Now, I want to uh, just ask you a question, and I've asked myself this question, and I don't know that there's an answer, but uh, why is it that you are in this wonderful air-conditioned church this, this evening, 
and uh, you've heard the gospel. Most of you responded. I don't know your heart, but you responded to the, the claims of the gospel in your life, and you received him as your Lord and Savior. And how come is it that you didn't die in the earthquake in Haiti? How come you weren't born there? 250,000, that's a staggering number. Our missionary told us about that this morning, that perished in an earthquake. Or the tsunami, was it 2004, uh, that uh, swept the Indian Ocean there. And so many lives, millions of lives were lost there. And I, often as I was traveling with my, I say often, but many times as I was traveling, got a little older uh, in the, uh, the Amazon region, I wondered why is it, Lord, that I'm not living in that mud hut? And why is it that you're using my family to be ambassadors of grace? How come the tables aren't turned? How if you ever think about that? But it is of the mercy of God. Romans tells us, not him that willeth, uh, but, but of God that showeth mercy. And here we see that, that Isaac is blessed. I'm not blessed because I'm a member of Bible Baptist Church or I grew up in a preacher's home. And Isaac wasn't blessed that way either. In fact, if you were to think about it, it's all wrapped up in the wonderful plan of God. And I can't explain that. He gives us a free will, but our free will is intertwined with the sovereign will. God chooses. He never makes a mistake. And I have to rest in that, that that God has blessed us with hearing the gospel and given us this great opportunity to come to him by faith. But we see this blessing repeated to Abraham. We don't know why it was God chose, how odd of God to choose the Jews, someone said. But even if it didn't rhyme as well, how odd of God to choose any of us? Who is worthy of the gospel, right? None of us are. But it's, it's interesting to me to see this echo of mercy. It is not him of willeth or him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And he said that at first to his Isaac's daddy, Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. Bless you, bless uh, them that bless you, curse, curse you, and in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In a special way, we see this echo of mercy in the life of Isaac. Uh, this happened, of course, first at Ur, then here in Gerar, chapter 26 of Genesis, and then finally again repeated and is echoing throughout the centuries. God will make it good. Do you remember why this covenant came to be? Well, it was because God was preparing a people, a land for His coming Messiah, a family. God had a wonderful plan for the Jews. He was going to bring His Son. He wanted to purify this particular race so that God would come in, into this kingly line, the line of David, and bear uh, our sins on the cross. But this boy, Isaac, our focus is on him tonight. See this echo of mercy in his life. And uh, he takes the stewardship of this promise. Megan sang about the promise that God has given us. Uh, uh, and he, really, she told the gospel story as she was singing. One day he's coming. I wonder in our home how we're doing with that echo of mercy. I can't explain why you've heard the gospel or why I have. I can't explain it. I don't know why you've responded to the gospel, become a Christian. I don't know. God knows. We can't, as Spurgeon says, we can't untangle that wonderful cord of human responsibility and divine sovereignty. It's a, a cord that we can't untie that knot. 
But we know that God chose you before you chose Him. He loved you before you loved Him. And all of His choices are perfect. And here we see God picking Abraham. And then by extension, then the family, the Hebrews. But I'm thankful that it's by God's divine fiat uh, not necessarily because we're special. I hear that all the time. Sometimes we like to get the credit for God's blessing in our lives. I can't get over the, the I wills in chapter 26. When he uh, comes to Isaac again in, in verse 3, he says, I will be with thee. I will bless thee. Unto thy seed I will give. I will perform. Don't, uh, don't not underline. That's I will perform the covenant. I'm going to do this. I will make thy seed to multiply. This is what we call in the Bible a, a, a unilateral or a unconditional covenant. There was a bilateral or conditional. A conditional covenant in the Old Testament was based on the performance of two parties making a covenant or a contract. They would often by ceremony split animals in half, cut them in half, and then spread them apart and walk through that bloody trail together after the uh, terms of the covenant were established. In other words, you do this or that in the A, B, C, and D, and uh, this will be our lasting covenant. And to, sh to show the importance of this, and I've said this before, they would split animals in half. Same thing happened in Genesis chapter 12, 15, where God, chapter 15, where God establishes this unconditional covenant with Abraham. He says, Abraham, he put Abraham into a deep sleep. Remember that? He says, you're not going through this. I'm the one. And God alone walked through the separated people. Why, they, why would they separate? This is, this is a, a grisly reminder. This is what's going to happen to you if you negate or renege on your covenant vows. It would make vows and then it would take this solemn walk through the split animals. And in this case, because it's an unconditional co covenant, God says, I will do the performing of, of this covenant. I will... I will make of you, I will, I will perform my oath to you. The blessing flows from above. It's not based on your character, Abraham, your nature. Now, God never makes a mistake in his choices, but he says, this is, this is, this is an unconditional covenant. I'm going to perform it. Now, obviously, uh, Abraham wasn't perfect. Isaac wasn't perfect. Jacob wasn't perfect. They had flaws. The people of Israel have gone into captivity numerous times. But will God perform His oath? He will. He will fully perform it, uh, complete it to the Jews in the millennial thousand-year reign. And uh, again, God will give them the extension of the land promised. Uh, the King of kings will reign in that wonderful idyllic setting in the millennium period. So he's going to do this. God will perform, but this is an unconditional based on his gracious nature, not ours or Isaac's. Friend, God never fails in one word of his promise. Amen? We can trust it. The question I have, parents or grandparents, is, is your house and is your home a promise-driven home? When's the last time you encouraged your kids by saying, Listen, I don't know how this is going to uh, come out. I don't know, but I know one thing. God will never fail. And we ought to be uh, a family of faith in the promises of God. I appreciate Abraham being that kind of man. And Isaac, I believe, was an echo of that man of faith. Faith, of course, without works is dead. But Abraham, in Genesis 15, 6, believed God and it was reckoned or counted 
for righteousness. Faith without works is dead. We know that from the book of James. Uh, but, but Abraham not only believed God, he obeyed God. How do we know that? This was a household of faith that, a, that Isaac grew up in. Is ours a household of faith? It's a good question. Our kids are trying to make up their minds now about the, as they're getting older and moving out into what I call real life outside of college. They're trying to make up their mind about music and about who they should hang out with and about churches and about how they're going to raise their kids. And so we have enjoyed uh, some of the right decisions they have made along the way. The echoes. Now they are just like us. They're going to make some mistakes, and they will, and we need to allow that. But it's great to see Isaac making some good decisions based on the fact that Abraham, his daddy, was a man of promise who lived by the promise. And Isaac in the Bible is called the son of promise. Abraham had great faith in God. It was far from perfect. And again, I don't know why God chose Abraham or me or you, but I'll tell you this, it wasn't because of me. It was in spite of me. Paul said, in me, no good thing dwelleth. You know, Paul's testimony before he got saved was this. I persecuted the church. I was a blasphemer. I was injurious. Paul wasn't on the Damascus road. Paul wasn't good getting gooder. He was bad getting worser. <laughs> Excuse the English. And at the end of his life, you would think, at the end of his life, what was his testimony? It wasn't that he stood up in a church service Sunday night and said, I thank God for choosing me. and allow, Because God really knew that in me was a lot of good stuff. He, he could see in me that I was a developing writer and I was a great evangelist. And I would be the premier missionary and I'd write half of the New Testament. Of course God knew all that. But that's not Paul's testimony. What does Paul say at the end of his life? He said, I obtained mercy. At the end of his life, Paul said this. He shared his testimony. I love it. Uh, instead of thinking, you know, I've come a long way, baby. Here's what he says. Uh, he says, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, meaning it's a true and universal reality. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I was. No, no. He didn't say of whom I was chief. What did he say? Of whom I am chief. At the end of his life, 1 Timothy. He never lost sight of the fact that he didn't win some kind of great prize in heaven. God looked down this long hallway of time and said, Okay, Paul, I know that you're going to choose me, and I know that you're going to do great things, and so I'm going to choose you. No, he says, Lord, I don't know why you chose me. I'm unworthy. And at the end of my life, I know that I'm the chief of sinners. But I'm so glad that mercy found me out. And he ends that particular portion of text by saying this, Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, that's the blessing echo. Uh, we don't see Isaac ever singing that song, Seven sons had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, and I'm the best one of them. He never said that. He never sang that. But we see that blessing flows from above. It flows down. He was a great steward of the covenant. Uh, Matthew 3, 9, John the Baptist is railing on the Hebrews later in the New Testament. He says this, Think not to say among yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of what? Of these stones 
to raise up children to Abraham. So he's looking at the Pharisees and saying, do not trust, especially those in the religious sector, do not trust your religion. Do not trust your family line. God can take these stones right here. Ever been to Israel? They're all over the place. God, and raise up children to Abraham. God can do an end around you. Don't trust your genealogy. Here's the point. Vital to understand. Uh, in Genesis 26, we see again the I wills. I will, I will. And, and, and wonderful that Isaac was, was the one God chose to put into that family line, but he was the son of promise. And I think, practically speaking, uh, Isaac grew up in a home where he never, never forgot the steps of faith that were the result of mercy that God showed his daddy. How do, how do I say that? Why do I say that? Well, as a, you know, even as he, he wasn't born yet when they left Ur, but he sure heard the story, right? Go to a land that I will show thee. And, and Abraham said, I'm, I'm going. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. And then Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian, tells us, and many of us Sunday school materials, I think, have this wrong. I would tend to agree with Josephus' reckoning on the age of Isaac when he was offered at Mount Moriah. We think of this 12 to 14-year-old lad, and there's latitude in the Hebrew uh, when it comes to that Hebrew word. Stay with the lad, or the lad would stay here. Uh, but, but Josephus says he was between 25 and 30 years of age. He could outpower his daddy, Abraham, at that age, probably. And Isaac allowed himself to be bound. And even if he was 14, he allowed himself to be bound and put on the altar, and he allowed his daddy to raise the dagger or the small knife above his chest. And he did it willingly. He was the son of promise. He believed this. Along with his daddy, if I kill you, I believe God will either bring you back to life or provide another son. But this is the truth. This boy, Isaac, never forgot that moment when he heard the bleating of the ram in the thicket and realized that this is, this is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our substitute. And he knew he grew up in a household of faith. Yes, it wasn't perfect. He knew that, but at least he was a great steward of this echo of mercy. I had to think about this. You know all of us here in this room tonight, some of us are missing because of traveling for the spring break. I know some folks have difficulty tonight. I've heard of others that are out for different reasons, but in this, in this auditorium tonight, we have received great mercy, haven't we? We've heard the gospel countless times, probably. And we have grown up, many of us, in godly homes. And one day, we will give an account for this lavish mercy. Some of you are younger ones. You're growing up in homes where, no, it's not perfect, but you're hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ and His love. This is a stewardship that we, this is an echo that will reverberate for generations if our children follow the proper example. And how neat it is to see 
our, our grandson quoting Bible verses. Um, that's, a, that's a blessing to us. And I know that as I look at pictures of Cal and our grandson, he's a lot cuter than I ever was. So he must take after mama, grandmama's side of the family genetically. But I'm so glad he's got parents who are stewarding the mercy of God. It is because of God's grace that we obtain mercy. So what are we going to do with it? We're to live lives that, that are about this one glorious day that's coming instead of living it for the next party or the next event or whatever, summer vacation. We don't live that way. And Abraham didn't live that way. He lived for a, a city whose builder and maker, invisible, unseen city, builder and maker is God. And so that, um, that's been a, a wonderful blessing to my heart to see that Abraham and Isaac, Isaac was an echo, a generational echo of this stewardship of mercy. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with the fact, just the basic fact, that you aren't growing up in a hovel somewhere in Haiti, not that that's bad, but that you have received so much blessing spiritually. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us all the blessings that come because of your knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is a second echo uh, that I want to mention tonight, and it's the, the hardship or the echo of trials. You uh, see that in our text. There are two very similar difficulties faced by Abraham and then his son Isaac. Anybody know what they were? The first would be infertility, and the second would be famine. Uh, Just as uh, Sarah, uh, Isaac's mother, was barren for 90 years, so Rebekah, too, faced the same, uh, not the same degree of trial, but the same trial of heart. Notice verse 21 of chapter 25. Verse 21 of chapter 25. Um, Let's go back to 20. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the, the daughter of Bethuel, Syrian of Pandan Aram, the sister of Laban the Syria, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived, of course, bore twins. Isaac uh, had this echo experience in his life. His mother experienced at least 20 years, perhaps 25. We know the calling of Abraham was at when he was 75 in Ur of Chaldeas, and then he was 100 when he was able to bear this son Isaac. So 25 years they experienced this, this period, of, period of barrenness of, of the womb. And so here he in his own life experiences an echo of that. And so Isaac... Uh, when Isaac was a teenager, he, I'm sure this was not a wasted trial in his life growing up. He saw his parents and he heard his mother, I'm sure his mother's prayers, and even experienced, experienced that period of time where Abraham chose to take a different track, right? And as the custom of the day uh, must have been there, there was polygamy. Now, to Isaac's credit, he is the only patriarch we know of at least in this time period, that didn't marry more than one woman. Isaac learned a lesson from his daddy's 
household. I believe he did. He probably, you know, you think about it, when he was a teenager, his mom was a hundred and, uh, what, you know, if he was a teen, she would be uh, about 103. She bore him at 90. <laughs> and I'm sure she asked, uh, or he asked the question, right? As a teenager, you, you get all kinds of questions. We get these, last time our boys were home from college, we got this question. Parents, why are you so old? <laughs> we got that. And I'm sure Isaac must have asked, Mama and Daddy, why are you so old? And here I am a teenager. This isn't right, normal. Well, he grew up and he heard the story of how God, of course, had provided uh, him as the miracle baby, really, uh, late in life of his parents. But when he got married, he found out that he wasn't exempt from this echo of misery, very similar trial in his life as his daddy and mother faced it. And now it was his story, his narrative, and he was going through it with his wife. And he didn't lash out at God. He didn't laugh at God. Isaac's name means, he's, he's one of these boys that were in the, very few in the Bible were named before they were born. And his name means laughter, a precursor to what happened. Both Sarah and Abraham laughed when God said, you're going to bear a son in your old age. His own story I think his own life story informed his response to infertility uh, in his own situation in life. He didn't laugh at God like his daddy did. He didn't get mad or go around, and he didn't didn't, uh, sleep with his wife's concubine and then claim the child as he could legally in those days as his own. No, he waited on God and he entreated the Lord, verse 21. I think that's great. Here's the lesson for us. Sometimes our children learn through our hardships and even exceed and advance in their spiritual walk beyond the way we responded in life. Isn't that great to know? They don't have to reflect. They don't have to echo exactly what we did. Isn't that great to know? Sometimes our kids make better decisions than we did at their age. His mom and dad went through trials. Uh, and he learned from them. My parents on the mission field went through a season uh, where they lost a child, stillborn. Many in our church have gone through that experience. Uh, money was always tough on the mission field. And I remember dad and mom often uh, making sacrifices for us. I've told you my tear-jerking Christmas story. I won't go there again. But uh, there's all kinds of times where we realize that trials, we're not exempt. Each generation has its own. I was thinking about this, especially in terms of our college students and our teenagers and younger, about I don't know what trial they will have to steward in this particular coming generation. Already, it is amazing to me what's happening legally in the government about how things are changing. I do believe that my sons and my daughter, perhaps son-in-law, will face perhaps very tough decisions in their lifetime Uh, on on issues about not just global warming, uh, whether or not they should have smart smart devices and that kind of thing in terms of uh, energy consumption, but there's going to be greater, more monumental decisions that may put them in jail. Already a pastor in Canada jailed for keeping his church open. That's coming to a country near you. 
We're already seeing more onerous policy, more liberal policies that will soon encroach upon the freedoms we have long enjoyed as a church family and the church in America. And it won't be long before we're having to make decisions about policy in terms of those who claim another gender identity. That's coming. It's just a matter of time before we'll lose our jobs and perhaps have to stand up and say, no, we're going to stand. We must agree with God and disagree with this law, even if it costs us our lives or perhaps first a time of fining us and then perhaps jail time. And that's coming. That's just coming. And I don't know how prepared we are for it, but are we going to produce a generation of faithful men who will just stand up like Peter? If we have to choose between obeying you and obeying God, but these are the battles that our kids will face. Abraham was faithful in his generation, and Isaac, I believe, was faithful. And he went and entreated the Lord instead of trying to figure it out and connive his way through it. Well, uh, there's another trial he faced. It was chapter 26. We finally got there as we wrap things up tonight. But not only the trial of infertility, God saw him through that. Uh, Twins were born in their family. Uh, But chapter 26, there is another reflection echo. There was a famine in the land besides, um, just like the first one that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Now, this is the southern region of the land of promise down by Gerar. And he's thinking, because in in these days of prolonged famine, days of agricultural, uh, it's a place where where, where only that was was your means of income in those days. And so uh, when the crops dried up, you had to go somewhere. And so Isaac was thinking about this. Do I leave? This land of promise, here's the question now. Do I leave the land of promise for the land of plenty? And I'm just talking about that in terms of a decision that's an echo of what happened to his daddy. I don't believe his father, Abraham, should have left and gone to Egypt. But he did. He left the land of promise because things got tough. A famine swept the land. Bad things happen when we step outside of God's preferred will. Now, God can always, God goes with us. He never leaves or forsakes us. But God stops the son, Isaac, and says, Don't go like your daddy did, sojourn, verse 3, in this land, and I will be with him, so forth. He says, Don't, don't leave. Go not down, verse 2, to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. He may have made a a small move, but he didn't move all the way to Egypt. All of us need to be really careful, talking about echoes and how our kids respond to crisis. That's telling, isn't it? Telling of our parenting style. If our kids see us screaming, shouting, running in circles, throwing things, throwing vases across the living room in times of crisis and, and then fearing and saying, what should we do to preserve our lives? Without prayer, without consideration for the Word, without living on the promises of God, when our children see us, um, this is a term that Mr. Lee uses often, wigging out. That's, I don't know where he got that. But when our kids see us doing these sorts of things, instead of relying on the promise of God, 
and staying where God wants us to stay in through thick and thin. That goes for our marriages too. They tend to pick up on that. And yet, to, to Isaac's credit, he listened to the Lord and he stayed. He was, he was at the southernmost part of the land of promise. And uh, he didn't go down to the fertile Nile crescent there. Stayed and God provided for him. And I, I have to think about our own children. Do we think like God? Money talks. It really does talk, but it never <laughs> quite talks like God does. Prosperity has a golden voice and a glittering robe, but her provisions simply cannot satisfy your soul. Not wrong to provide for your family. Isaac knew that. He wouldn't want to stay there while his kids starved to death, but he had to understand God was going to take care of them. Isaac moved to Gerar and probably thinking about going farther south, but didn't because God said don't. And he uh, saw God's faithfulness even in the area dominated by the Philistines. Isaac obeys the Lord. Here's the application. The hope in this narrative thus far is that even though we're parents or grandparents and we go through a time of conflict or spiritual failure, departure, even running from God in our past, we can thank God that our children uh, often, if they're led spiritually and led to respond spiritually, can as I've mentioned earlier, even respond in a way that's even more faithful to God than um, the parents or the grandparents even. We learn, we can learn from the past. We don't have to reflect and echo the same uh, response to to trials and crisis. So he remained faithful to his wife in her barrenness. He remained out of Egypt uh, in a time of very lean crops. And uh, he Certainly could have wished to relocate, but he stayed there. What a, a, great, a great story this is. Next time we get together and have an opportunity uh, to talk about the final three echoes, we're going to talk about the echo of, echo of self-preservation. Do you know that this is an interesting part of the story that Isaac, just like his daddy, had a beautiful wife. And when he was traveling, especially even here, just like his daddy, he, uh, he kind of disenfranchised himself from his wife. and said, uh, tell them when we go through this area that you're my sister. Wow, we don't understand that. We'll, we'll explore that to save his own neck uh, from the men around. He said, tell them you're my sister instead of my wife. And then there was the echo of strife and contention. We'll see that in the wells and the echo of spiritual Landmarks. All these are reflective of the life that his daddy left or lived, and some some were good responses, and some we can learn by the negative example. Let's pray together tonight. Father, thank you for the story of Abraham and Isaac, and I pray that we would be people uh, who live by the promises in the Scripture, the promises of God. And Lord, I pray that in our household there be statements of faith and hope uh, that, that you have established the, the, the premise that you will, that you will provide, that you will bless, that, that, that these blessings flow from above. Every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no uh, shadow of turning or variableness. Thank you, Lord, that we have that kind of a great God. And I pray that in our homes we be thankful, that we would live lives of gratitude for the grace that has been bestowed. We are so blessed. Lord, so easy to complain. 
or think that we deserve something from your hand. Lord, I pray like Paul, we would have the humble spirit. I am nothing. I'm nothing but a, a servant of thine, a chief of sinners. But Lord, thank you that you have decided to pour your love upon us and give us a calling that's heavenly and a home with you, not made with hands. Keep our focus on these heavenly things, we pray this week, and make us a great testimony of thy grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.